Formula One back after a weekend off. And of course, the after effects of the Sochi race in Russia. Poor Lando Norris. Uh, this weekend, it's the Turkish Grand Prix from Istanbul Park. Hi, I'm Tony Daziri. This is the Overtake F1 podcast. Glad you could be with us. This is round 16 of the season. And Lewis Hamilton leading Max Verstappen in the championship by just two points. A very, very slim margin after his win at Sochi. Last season's run in Turkey, one of the best races of the season. It was won by Hamilton in the rain. Lance Stroll starting from pole position. And we've got our five things to watch for this weekend. We've also got our track talk segment where we go over the details of the circuit, the Pirelli tires. We'll also have our top five, bottom five from Sochi and other news going on in Formula One, including more details about the race at Qatar that'll be on the schedule in November. But first, this is the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm glad you could join us. Leave us a five-star review if you like what we do. They tell us it helps grow the channel. I don't know if that's true or not, but I hope it does. Uh, thank you all for downloading this and listening to what we've been doing. We started this back in April. Just a brief history. I'm an American sports talk show host. I do a morning show for Sports Map Radio. And I love Formula One. I've been following racing. It was my first beat right out of the gate. Covered NASCAR, IndyCar, all sorts of racing circuits. Loved Formula One in the mid-90s into the 2000s. I started noticing my friends were watching Drive to Survive. They were starting to get into the sport. Saw an opportunity to share what I know about Formula One with people and was encouraged to start a podcast because I don't normally talk about uh, Formula One racing on my American sports talk show where I'm more NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA oriented. The Turkish Grand Prix was on the calendar from 2005 to 2011. Felipe Massa won three times there for Ferrari. You have Kimi Raikkonen winning there, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, all had taken victories there before. The race was taken off the calendar in 2012. Uh, it was brought back last year with the schedule being altered from the pandemic, kind of wanted to centralize a lot of things. And the same situation presented itself this season. You had the cancellation of the Singapore Grand Prix, the Australian Grand Prix, the Canadian Grand Prix, the Japanese Grand Prix. Am I missing any? It's been an iffy stop because Turkey was on the do not fly list by the British government. Uh, but again, they got that worked out and we are here this weekend for the Turkish Grand Prix. So what to watch for at Istanbul Park? And it's going to sound repetitious. I get it because we've been sort of talking about this all season, but it's Mercedes and Red Bull and both with some momentum coming into this weekend. Mercedes finding itself back on the podium in Russia, their first win for Hamilton since Silverstone. And then you got Red Bull. They get a huge result from Max Verstappen. He gets a P2 where he started in the back of the field due to a power unit change. They didn't concede the race to Mercedes, but Sochi was a Mercedes track. So they were just hoping Max could give him the best result possible. They gave him the power unit change. He got a P2 out of the deal, which is almost like a win. Hamilton leading Max by just two points. Both teams feel that the right things are coming as we head down the home stretch. Now, the big question, of course, is will Hamilton take a power unit penalty for this weekend? Total Wolf says it will be decided later on, looking at some data. Botas took a power unit change at both Monza, another one at Russia. And we are heading to some more Red Bull favored tracks. But the Silver Arrows are feeling they've got some momentum after this win. And of course, we're always watching to see how Hamilton and Verstappen race each other, if that presents itself in Turkey or not. Toto Wolf saying DNFs are just not in the cards. They don't want those anymore if they're going to win the championship. Does that mean Lewis finds himself backing off a little bit if he's going side by side? I doubt it. I know some people have interpreted that to be the case, but I think Wolf is sort of setting up, hey, let's be careful here. we got a championship to win. Let's not blow it by taking really, real big risks. But I, do, I just don't think Hamilton is going to concede if he does go side by side with Max. 
So there's a lot of storylines, of course, with these two championship contenders. It doesn't go away at Turkey, even if Hamilton is starting on the back of the grid. The second thing to watch for is Lando and his bounce back. It was two weeks ago, Lando suffering the heartbreak at Sochi. So close to a victory taken by a bad decision to stay on those slick tires, not come in for intermediates when the wet weather came in Russia. Drivers outside of Hamilton and Verstappen do not get very many opportunities to win races simply on merit. The circumstances almost have to be unique for them to take advantage of that. Esteban Ocon did that at Turkey. You saw Sergio Perez winning in Baku, Daniel Ricciardo at Monza. It's hard to watch you know, Lando closing in on victory and holding off Hamilton and, and, and leading most of the race. And then as the rain came to just see his car slide off into the corner on slicks and seeing Hamilton pass him because, you know, he had an opportunity and it was taken away due to the weather and that decision to stay out. Lando has been tremendously consistent this season. He was finishing in the top 10 of every race until Hungary in early August. He's right now P4 in the driver's standings right behind Valtteri Botas. He needs to shake off this near miss uh, at Sochi. He is saying all the right things in Thursday's press conference. We'll see. He wants to get back into the car, put it behind him. Let's see if that actually happens. We get the Lando of old Mr. Consistency in the 2021 season. Watch for this weekend at Istanbul Park, and that's Ferrari. You can't talk about McLaren without talking about Ferrari this season. The Scuderia had a podium finish with Carlos Sainz in Russia. Now they're giving him a power unit change for the Turkish Grand Prix that'll put him in the back of the field Sunday. Charles Leclerc already got his new power unit. He didn't score points in Russia. Matteo Bonato will not be at the race this weekend. And this new power unit is featuring the team's hybrid system. It showed some good results in Russia for Leclerc. He stayed out on the slicks. Ferrari, 17 and a half points behind McLaren for P3 in the constructor standings. If you've been listening to this podcast all season, we've been focusing a lot on this. The championship race is its own thing. P3 between these two teams has really been fascinating. We've seen each team have its moments. Of course, Daniel Ricciardo getting the victory was the highlight for the McLaren season. We've seen Ferrari have its moments too. Charles Leclerc and, and Carlos Sainz putting up some very, very good results. So right now, a tight battle, just 17 and a half points between these two. And we'll see if Carlos Sainz can kind of maneuver his way through the field with this new power unit at Turkey. And we'll get to the track talk segment coming up in just a bit. Now, number four on the list is who is going to set up the best? Now, the track was new to many drivers in 2020 who were not on the F1 grid back in 2011 when the last Turkish Grand Prix was held. The track had freshly laid asphalt at the time. It did not produce much grip. And then you also added rain to the, to the mix. It created one of the more dramatic races of the season. But since then, the track has had time to cure. The grip should be much better than in 2020. They've sort of jet pressure washed it a little bit, so you're going to get some more grip. Rain, it's in the forecast this weekend, but... It's, it's not a heavy predictor. It's not definite. So don't be surprised if you don't see any and you know, if you might, but you might practice will of course be very important to teams to get the setup right for this track with some of the drivers having limited experience on the circuit. I mean, you're talking to Kita Mazepin, Yuki Sonoda, Mick Schumacher. They'll be racing there for the first time. The F2 series did not run at Turkey last season when they were with that group. 
So pole position will be very important. Five of the last eight winners of the Turkish Grand Prix have started from the front of the grid. Hamilton won last year from P6, but it was wet. It was slippery. So setup is going to be very critical at Istanbul Park. So if you're not a fan of practice on Fridays, um, pay attention to it because you might see some interesting results from, uh, you know, FP1 and FP2 uh, when they get, uh, get ready for qualifying on Saturday. Uh, and the fifth thing I'm watching out for, and, and this is sort of sort of a hybrid of a bunch of other issues, but it's all kind of under one umbrella, and that's the midfield teams. How will they perform? You're looking at Williams. Can George Russell score some more points in Turkey? He has many points in the last five races as Sergio Perez does for Red Bull with 16. Now, I know a lot of you are like, well, he got a P2 in Belgium. I get it. Um, but can Fatari, for example, can they bounce back after two disappointing races at Monza and Sochi? And what about Aston Martin? You saw Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll almost tangle in Russia, both of them finishing outside the points. Uh, Fernando Alonso, he's got a lot of experience in Turkey. Alpine could run really great here. What are those teams going to do on Sunday, those midfield teams? And yeah, I know I put Williams in there as well, but Russell's been running pretty good. Can they affect the top of the field in some way, shape, or form? Now, you know, don't dismiss this. We started seeing some teams do a pretty good job holding back contenders, right? If Hamilton were to take a penalty for the engine, we've seen Fernando Alonso hold him off in Hungary. We saw Lando Norris hold him off with a lead at Sochi for lap after lap after lap. So don't discount these midfield teams affecting the championship picture if indeed Hamilton is starting from the back of the grid. We know that Fernando Alonso has, like I said earlier, has experience at this track. He's been running great. He's been getting great starts off the grid. George Russell is doing his part to uh, help Williams keep scoring points, even though next year he'll be going to Mercedes. He's really brought that team to life. So don't discount some of these midfield teams especially if they are between Max Verstappen at the front and Lewis Hamilton in the back, because some of these teams have been running really well. Now, some of them just need to bounce back, but some of them have been running really well. All right, so those are the five things I'm watching for from Istanbul Park at the Turkish Grand Prix. So let's get to track talk. Now, the circuit Istanbul Park runs 5.3 kilometers. It's got 14 turns. The most famous is turn eight. And if you're new to Formula One, if you're brand new to the Turkish Grand Prix, you'll hear that a lot this weekend. It is a long quad apex turn, tremendous G-forces in play. I read somewhere where it's like 12% of the track is just in turn eight. At Istanbul Park, that's a lot. It's considered one of the best corners in Formula One. It's taken at high speed. It's downhill. It's bumpy. It's a real test for the drivers. The Grand Prix will be 58 laps. Pirelli bringing the mid-range of tires this weekend. C2 for the hard, C3 for the medium, C4 for the softs. This is a drop from last year. They brought the hardest settings in 2020. The circuit runs counterclockwise. It's one of the only few that go in that direction on the calendar. And right off the grid, they head into a hard-breaking left-hander for turn number one. If you watched last year, cars immediately were sliding in the, in the wet. Uh, it's about 210 meters right to the turn from the start of the race. It's a blind corner. Then it moves into a sort of long, sweeping right-hander. Cars will start to pick up speed. Another left-hander into turn three. That's pretty much blind going uphill. Then you've got a kind of a combination of some sharp corners that lead to a very small straight as they head to turn seven. Then the track at this point will start to go downhill and turn seven is a right-hander. It'll lead to another short shoot 
And then, of course, the infamous turn eight, as I mentioned before, a four apex corner. Drivers will be really hanging on at full speed, keeping the cars moving left. And it's a long corner, as I said before. It turns into a downhill straight. And then there's another hard braking corner at turn nine. They go back to full speed at turn 10 and 11, sort of taking it in before slowing down before 12, 13 and 14. It sort of kind of goes in and out. And then you get to the front straight to the start finish line. And there's a good, good bit of room from the moment they hit that straight to the start finish line at is temple park. It's tremendously challenging. It's fun to watch. It's got a number of elevation changes. Overtaking is challenging, but it's, it's not impossible there. Pole position will be a big advantage. Turn eight really is amazing. I am, uh, and turn eight is really amazing. I'm glad the Turkish Grand Prix is back at least for this season and maybe beyond who knows. All right. Now it's time for top five, bottom five from the Russian Grand Prix at Sochi. We're going to do bottom five first. We go from five all the way to number one. Uh, so we're going to start with number five and that is Sergio Perez, the Red Bull driver finishing in ninth place. Checo could have been at a podium finish. He, he was running that well. He had a long stint on his first set of tires. That's kind of what he does. He stayed out on the slicks. However, at the end, he did start to lose places. He took a gamble. The gamble didn't pay off. So he's number five on the bottom five. Now, a little disclaimer, a lot of the drivers in the bottom five are drivers that didn't take the gamble for intermediates and ended them out on the slicks, uh, like number four on my list, and that's Charles Leclerc, the Ferrari driver, a power unit upgrade, got to start from the back, but he was moving up like really quick, he had like a rocket ship going on. It was looking good for some points, but again, the wet weather changed everything. He gambled on the slick tires. It didn't pay off. He finished outside the points. Charles Leclerc, number four on the bottom five. Number three, this is going to be a little controversial. I get it, uh, but I put Valtteri Botas here. Uh, he also took a power unit change for Sochi. He started in the back, but he was back there with Max Verstappen. And heading into this race, it was a Mercedes track. They knew Max would take a power unit penalty. He did. There was an opportunity for the team to, you know, extend, get the lead, extend the lead, maybe take advantage of this opportunity. You want Botas in the back to do a better job defending in Max's climb through the field. You know, you know, he's going to eventually pass you, but hold him off a little bit, make it a little tougher for him, make him work a little bit. He did none of those things. Max got by him pretty easily. Now, there were some good things for Botas. This is why it's kind of controversial to put him in the bottom five. He did come in for intermediates. The team had him out earlier than Hamilton one lap earlier. There, it really paid off for him because he did finish fifth for Mercedes, and that really does help them in the constructors race. Um, and it allowed some short amount of quick data if they're, to make the decision easier to bring Hamilton in. But as I said in the Russian Grand Prix review, a, a review, Hamilton's decision was based on a couple of things. One, they were seeing some data from other, other drivers running on the intermediates, but also they knew Max had taken intermediates too. And even though they want the win, they were really watching to see what Max was doing. They could not finish behind Max. So when Max came in for intermediates, I think it made it a little easier to say, all right, we can finish P2 in this race. If we, if Lando makes the gamble pay off, we can finish P2, but we can't finish P3 to Max Verstappen in P2. That we cannot do. So, but Botas's being on the intermediate certainly helped Mercedes and Hamilton. So that was a good thing. But I think him not defending Max early in that race, or at least showing that he could defend Max at various points, I think that's why I put him in the bottom five. Number two on the bottom five list, we're getting closer to number one. This is not a driver, but this is a team. This is AlphaTauri. 
It was a disaster at Monza a couple of weeks ago in Italy. It was pretty much the same thing at Sochi. Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda stayed out. They gambled on the slicks. And because of that, they both finished outside of the points. They didn't score any points in Monza. They didn't score any points at the Russian Grand Prix. AlphaTauri, you're number two on my bottom five list. The number one, of course, this is Lando Norris. What can you say? He had this race until he didn't have the race. It's the ultimate gamble that didn't pay off. We went through the blame game in our Russian Grand Prix review. I urge you to check that out. Should McLaren have been more convincing to get him in for the intermediates? Should Lando had a better feel for what the track was doing? He's a driver. He's not a weatherman. He only knows what he knows. These are fair criticisms, but some of them are unfair. It's both driver and it's both the team. This is on everyone. So it's not Lando necessarily being in the bottom five. I think as a team, they really failed to see the circumstances of that race. But to their credit, a lot of other people did too. So that's my bottom five. Lando, AlphaTauri, Valtteri Bottas, Charles Leclerc, and Sergio Perez going from top to bottom. All right, now it's time for the top five. This is more fun. These are drivers that actually did well at Sochi. And number one, Kimi Raikkonen. Alfa Romeo, he returned from COVID, was off for two races. He's kind of doing the farewell tour a little bit, announcing his retirement at the end of the season. And this was his best result of the season. He got a P8. And why? Because he had an early decision to pit for intermediates. He was better than his teammate, Antonio Giovinazzi, who didn't have radio for the whole race, which must have been a nightmare. But Kimi had COVID. He was out two races. He comes back, gets a P8. Kimi, you're on the top five. Number two, Carlos Sainz. He led the race at the start. He ended up finishing on the podium in P3, but it was kind of a mixed day for Sainz because he's in our top five for finishing third on a rather tricky day. He goes in for those intermediates. He gets a great result for the Scuderia, but afterwards, and I think rightfully so, he said he didn't like the fact that, you know, Ferrari had the lead in the race and they couldn't hold it. He said, we can't just, you know, we got to be able to hold on to those positions. And that's a legitimate concern. When you look at McLaren, when they got Lando out in front, they had the pace to stay out. They had the pace to keep up with Lewis Hamilton, who was hard charging, but Ferrari could not. And I think it's a legitimate concern that he has for the team. Uh, but because he finished on the podium and had a lead of this race, I'm going to give him a number two on the top five. Number three, George Russell. I, it's kind of a game with me. I kind of put George Russell in this, but it's not just the race. He had a fantastic qualifying run where they saw the weather, got on some uh, intermediates, had a good result in qualifying. He was third on the grid. And guess what? He held that for a while. Uh, you know, he wasn't going to be able to hold it for long, but he held it for a while. But the real move was pitting early for the Inters when with a few other drivers. This was the real gamble. They were not seeing others doing it. Number of drivers did it. He was part of that group that did do it. It was a bold call at the time, and it paid off. It's another points finish for George Russell. And no, he's going to Mercedes next season, but let's not throw away what he's doing so far for this team. He's going to be wrapping up his Williams career pretty nicely. As I mentioned earlier, he's got 16 points in the last five races. That's just as many as Sergio Perez. And as I've been saying week in and week out, you just poke a hole in that bucket and the water starts pouring out. He just needed to poke the hole in the bucket. He gets points for the first time in Hungary and then, here it comes. It's, it's coming every single weekend. It feels like for George Russell and Williams, number four, Lewis Hamilton, Hamilton, the winner, he gets his 100th Grand Prix victory. He benefited from the tire change the most because he came in and won this race based on that decision. They waited out Norris. They, you heard it on the radio. If Norris stays out, he's going to be in trouble. He did spin out 
Hamilton takes a lead. He takes the checkered flag. He has the championship lead. It's a historic win. Credit Mercedes and the team. They were on top of the weather. They all were also on top of the data. As I mentioned earlier, they were watching Max to see where he was. But all of those things, he is the uh, he's on my top five list. He is at number two. Number one, though, I'm giving this one to Max Verstappen. I could have easily put Lewis Hamilton here, but I'm going to give it to Max. He started 20th. He finished second. It's a win for Red Bull, even though it's not a win in the race. They knew Sochi was a Mercedes track. Strategy was to limit the damage as much as they could, and they could not have asked for a better result. Max Verstappen leaves Sochi just two points behind Hamilton. It could have been much worse. Verstappen running through the field. You never know who you're going to run into. You never know what's going to happen when you're kind of dicing through from 20th on the way, all the way in. Who's going to defend? Who's going to get tricky in a corner? Verstappen maneuvered that brilliantly. He had some tr- tire issues, but in the end, he made the right call for the intermediates. The team benefited tremendously. And now, as I said earlier, there's a feeling of momentum for them. There's a feeling of momentum for Mercedes. We are heading into Round 16, we've got races ahead, but not many. And now we're in for a championship fight. So Max Verstappen, my number one in my top five from the Russian Grand Prix. All right, one other bit of news for the upcoming calendar. Formula One will be racing at Qatar this later this season. It'll occur on the weekend of November 19th through the 21st. It's going to be on the back end of a triple header with Mexico and Brazil. Lucero International Circuit outside Doha. Formula One signing a 10-year deal to be racing there in the future. Now, as of this recording, there is no indication or information whether this is going to be a day race in the hot, humid weather of Qatar or it's going to be a night race like Bahrain and Abu Dhabi. If I'm a betting man, and which I'm not, I would think that this would be a night race. It is also part of filling out the schedule uh, due to the pandemic to get the 23rd race onto the calendar. So look for that at the uh, midway point of November, the the race at Qatar later this season. All right, we'll be back after uh, Sunday's race with our Turkish Grand Prix review all of the details and all of the team news and notes from round 16 of the Turkish Grand Prix at Istanbul Park. Hope you enjoy the race, everybody. Once again, subscribe to the podcast. Let us know how you like it. Leave us a five-star review. It helps us grow this channel. Also like to see you on Facebook at the F1 Overtake Podcast. Like our page, participate in the conversation. We can have uh, really some really fun debates as the season progresses into the later rounds of the, of the championship fight between Red Bull and Mercedes. I'm Tony Desiree. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the race, everybody, this weekend. It is the Overtake F1 Podcast.